do it. The cry for racial justice, some 400 years in the making, moves us. The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. It is the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. I'm Avi Bernard with you every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. We are actually going to be hearing from Ariva Martin shortly today on her day off. But first, here's what you might have missed. The Minneapolis Police Department routinely used excessive force and discriminated against black and Native American people in the years before one of its officers killed George Floyd, according to federal authorities. In an 89-page report that followed a more than two-year federal civil rights investigation, the Justice Department excoriated the Minneapolis police force as an agency that put officers and local residents at unnecessary risk, failed to act upon repeated warnings about biased behavior, and countenanced the systemic problems that gave way to Floyd's death in 2020. The report's release came a little more than three years after Floyd, a black man, was filmed gasping for air while pinned down by Derek Chauvin, a white police officer in Minneapolis, on Memorial Day in 2020. Floyd's death helped ignite nationwide protests over policing and social and racial injustice, and Chauvin was convicted of murder the following year. Fox News has sent a cease and desist letter to Tucker Carlson alleging that the conservative network's former star anchor breached his contract by launching a new show on Twitter, according to a source familiar with the matter. Carlson, who is a right wing media personality known for spreading conspiracy theories, parted ways with Fox News in late April, just days after the network agreed to pay almost $800 million to Dominion Voting Systems to avert a high stakes defamation trial. And years before he said he was running for president to, quote unquote, defeat the cult of gender ideology, close quote, Donald Trump welcomed and praised the inclusion of transgender women in the Miss Universe pageant. In since unreported radio and TV interviews from spring and summer of 2012, Trump celebrated the interest in a 23 year old transgender woman named Jenna Talakova participating in a Canadian pageant. He then later effusively praised the winner of the Miss USA pageant, Olivia Culpo, for saying that transgender women should be allowed to compete. Trump, then the owner of the Miss Universe pageant, would go on to cite the possible participation of transgender women in Olympic sports to justify his decision to end the ban on transgender pageant participants. We're going to talk about those stories and others with our contributors today, Dr. Sean Fletcher, professor at San Jose State University, and Danny Griffin, educator, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker. Also in hour number two, Danny Griffin and Dr. Fletcher are going to stay with us because Danny Griffin was actually a teacher. The young man from Crenshaw High School, Quincy Reese, who was recently killed, was actually in one of Danny's classes. And we're going to talk to him about Quincy Reese and the young man that he that he was and that he'll be remembered for. But first, I do want to bring on the illustrious Civil rights attorney, who you get to hear every day right here at this time slot on this station, it's Ariva Martin. She's going to be interviewing the former LAUSD superintendent, Austin Butner. So, Ariva, welcome. It's good to talk to you on a Friday. Hello, Avi, and thank you so much for that, uh, you know, great summary of the news today. It has been a jam-packed news day, and that scathing report from the Department of Justice about the systemic racism and constitutional 
violations of the Minneapolis Police Department, I think, just has all of us in a state of shock. Unfortunately, all too often, when it comes to the policing of black folks around this country, those incidents outlined in that report are repeated over and over and over again. So I'm glad that you and your brilliant contributors will be covering that today, because I think everybody needs to know what the state of policing in this country is when it comes to black folks. So kudos to you and I can't wait to hear that conversation, but I am here today because there's a really big topic and big issue that's happening in Los Angeles that it has to do with the elimination of a very important program that was implemented primarily for minority kids, kids who were falling behind in reading uh, in Los Angeles Unified School District, one of the largest school districts in the country. And I'm excited today to be in conversation with a good friend who happens to be the former superintendent for the Los Angeles School District, Los Angeles Unified School District, Austin Butner. Good afternoon, Mr. Butner, and thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Reva. Thanks for having me, and uh, I appreciate your taking the time to, to have this conversation. It's really important. It really is. So just to bring people up to speed, a, a program called Primary Promise, uh, you implemented during COVID months to really address kids who were falling behind academically because uh, of COVID and other reasons. Very, very popular program, praised by national organizations. Uh, according to some, it helped kids gain grade-level proficiency in reading and even go beyond. And now that program is on the chopping block, and parents and teachers aren't happy. They are quite distraught over this program being eliminated. So talk to us about the program, why you implemented it while you were superintendent, and why is it going away? Yeah, so what we what we tried to solve, uh, really fundamentally, there are a group of kids in public schools who aren't at grade level reading. And we know if a child can learn to read by third grade, the rest of the time they'll read to learn. We know if a child's not able to read to learn, they're four times as likely to drop out of high school. Their, their lifetime earnings will be much, much lower. So we got to do it right the first time. We've got to make sure children build a foundation in literacy and math, reading and math, in elementary school. So when we look at a first-grade classroom, imagine you're one teacher by yourself with 24 students. You're working with some students who are at grade level. Others who need help in phonological awareness, which is the sounds. Others who need help in decoding, which is what words mean. And others who need help with letter sounds and comprehension. So four different groups of students, six-year-olds, by the way. Uh, and you're a very talented woman, Reva, but I'm not even sure you could pull it off. Because <laughs> four different groups of six-year-olds, it's just not possible, right? So what we right. said is, well, what can we do? Why don't we look at what happens in a wealthy community or a private school? If you're in that same first-grade classroom, you'd see two teachers, so one teacher works with the kids who are at grade level. The other teacher works with the students who need extra help in small groups. And guess what? It works. It works extraordinarily mm. well. Let me just give you a little, little bit of data because as you talked, the focus of this was for students who really needed the help, the English learners, the black students in our Los Angeles schools, where for a generation, we keep leaving them behind. So just one semester of 100 students who are in primary promise 28 of them got to grade level. They increased, okay, compared with wow. students who are not in primary promise. They actually fell behind. No students made that leap. So would you rather have 28 students make that leap? Of course we would. 
compared to leaving it the way it was, uh, the approach that's been tried for decades and hasn't worked where students don't make that progress. So I think this is an essential, it's a foundation piece. Uh, you mentioned teachers and families. Uh, I'm actually on this conversation with you today because I've never heard so much of an outcry from teachers and from families. And if you want to know what works in a school classroom, you want those insights, ask a classroom teacher. And classroom teachers tell us it works. Families tell us it works. And the data, there have been extensive, three extensive studies since we started the program back in 2020, which show it works. So I think it's an essential piece. And unfortunately, uh, under current leadership, the school board and superintendent, uh, they've decided this should go in the chopping block. Um, and they talk about, well, it costs too much. Uh, gosh, I, first of all, I can't put a price on helping a kid learn to read. I think it's essential. But this program costs well less than 1% of the Los Angeles Unified School District. So it's a rounding error. They can't even find that money. You find it in the sofa. And the school district just told us back in March they had a record $5.8 billion reserves. So to me, what's more important than helping a young child learn to read and build out foundation for lifetime success and spending a very small portion of your budget and making sure they can do it. So the big question, Austin, is if it works, parents love it, teachers love it, the data is there to support that it is successful. As you just said, it, it doesn't cost an exorbitant amount when you look at the overall budget of the school district. The big elephant in the room is why do away with something that's helping I mean, I'd hate to think that this is just about the new guy coming in and getting rid of all the programs that the former guy put in place because they want to put their own stamp on, you know, programs under their tenure. But that's starting to be what it sounds like to me. And then the, the other sinister reason would be the district just doesn't care about black and brown kids, as you said, who have been historically left behind, uh, you know, forced to attend substandard schools have substandard instruction, and now if we have something that's lifting those kids up and is putting them on grade level, for that to be pulled from underneath them, it just sounds like a, a really horrific way to run a school district. Yeah, you and me both, and I think you know, anybody who's listening who cares as much as you and I do, call their school board members, send an email, text, uh, call the newspaper. We need to raise a ruckus here because... For the first time in a really, really long time, we're helping black students, we're helping English learners make the progress they ought to be making. And because we're doing it the right way, let's keep doing it the right way, for goodness sakes. You know, we've lost a generation because we haven't helped kids learn to read. This is a nationwide crisis. More than half of children don't read at grade level, elementary school students, in elementary. Okay, we can't leave another generation behind if we found something that works it's up to this school board and this superintendent to do the right thing, make sure this program continues, and make sure the kids who are making dramatic progress continue to make those gains. One last question on this, Austin. So I was reading an editorial in the Los Angeles Times that was very much in favor of this primary uh, promise program and was opposed to the elimination of the program. And there was a comment, uh, a quote from the current superintendent that said, hmm, this program's not that innovative and we have a replacement that is more cost-effective, and basically the replacement appeared to be, let's teach the teachers how to do some of the things that these uh, that were a part of the primary promise program and have them implemented across a broader spectra, spectrum of schools. 
and more kids would have access to it. I think, give or take, that's pretty much what the new superintendent is proposing. What do you say to that? I, I say that's exactly what had been done for the last 10 or 20 years and wasn't working. Unless you go into that first grade classroom, talk to the teacher and understand, again, the talented Rita Martin uh, couldn't pull off teaching four groups of six-year-olds at the same time. She needs help in the room. That's what Primary Promise does. Going back to the old way, which is, well, we're just going to take that one teacher uh, and give her another hour's worth of training, and, and somehow she's going to be able to go back in the classroom and work with four different group of kids at the same time. You know, the current superintendent has said that his new approach is more democratic, uh, whatever that might mean. I, I don't quite understand that. But I can tell you what Primary Promise is. It's righteous and way overdue, and we need to make sure Los Angeles Unified School District keeps it going. Well, thank you so much, Austin, for your leadership. I know you had to, uh, you know, you were at the helm of one of the largest school districts in the country during COVID, uh, you know, a pandemic that rocked the entire nation and definitely rocked our school children. Uh, I have a lot of respect for what you did and how you were able to navigate of the district during that very difficult time period. I hate, I hate it to see you leave, but I know these jobs, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, sometimes a shortened lifespan to them, but thank you for speaking out on this issue. I hope that the listeners of KBLA will do exactly what you recommend is contact our school board members, let them know that black and brown kids should not be left behind. We are sick and tired of getting the crumbs. Our kids deserve to have the best in education. They deserve to be able to read at grade level. They deserve every opportunity to excel, uh, and anything less than that is just totally unacceptable. Uh, again, thank you so much, Austin, uh, for your voice on this matter. We're going to follow this very closely right here on KBLA Talk 1580 uh, and keep our listeners informed in terms of what happens uh, because we know a mind is a terrible thing to waste. When we come forward, more with Avi Bernard and today's trending news with his expert contributors right here on KBLA Talk 1580. She's the real deal in real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. The way we spend our time defines who we are. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. And it is the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. I'm Avi Bernard with you every Friday. I am always so pleased to be joined by Danny Griffin, educator, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker, and Dr. Sean Fletcher of San Jose State University. Gentlemen, glad to have you here. Let's dive right into the topic of the day, the news of the day, the Minneapolis Police Department, and news that is surprising to nobody. The Minneapolis Police Department routinely used excessive force and discriminated against black and Native American people in the years before one of its officers, Derek Chauvin, killed George Floyd. There was an 89-page report that followed a more than two-year federal, uh, federal civil rights investigation. The Justice Department really laid into the Minneapolis Police Force as an agency that put officers and local residents at unnecessary risk and failed to act upon repeated warnings about biased behavior. So I just want to get your, your thoughts. I mean, obviously, we all remember the situation with George Floyd and, and the reaction, of course, not only in Minneapolis, but around the country and, and around the world, really. So... To, to, to see this report released, well, I don't think any of us are surprised by this, but I just want to get your thoughts, Dr. Fletcher, on what, what this report 
means uh, means in your mind? What what are the thoughts? What were your first thoughts upon seeing uh, this report released? Well, again, always good to be on with you two good brothers. Um, uh, unpacking it further, again, it was it was no surprise to me or anyone else who's followed these policing issues closely, even if you just started following it within the last few years, you know, post Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and a number of countless others. Diving into the the takeaways, it was just further evidence of what we already know of systemic breakdowns and corruption and lack of accountability. But what was just, it was almost infuriating to me was some of the findings around shootings that took place without there ever really being a diagnosis of a threat. And it, it, just how much of that took place and and obviously things like, you know, illegal neck restraints and some of the other details that came within it. But ultimately, when we have the conversations around policing the police, who polices the police, mm-hmm. the seventh takeaway that they came out with in this report was the lack of oversight and enforcing the findings and, and penalties that came from those findings. So when when misconduct would take place, there were no consequences, none, and it ran rampant. So this conversation that many seem to believe about defunding the police, many seem to believe that that happened after George Floyd. That has been a conversation for a very long time, and now you're starting to get evidence as to why that has been such a conversation because of the systemic breakage that's not just being reflected with Minneapolis police in this report, but this is reflective across many of our cities in this country. Danny Griffin. Um, I'm just happy that, uh, you know, the federal government has intervened and uh, now we have uh, evidence of this systemic oppression. Uh, Before, you know, people that grew up in our communities uh, for a long time, decades, we have known these type of actions to have always taken place. Due to technology, now we have uh, video evidence, uh, we have images, we have audio, we got whatever you want, we got it. Uh, But now that the federal government has actually stepped in, now we can talk about reforming uh, on a state level in some of these states, but I actually think we need a federal uh, uh, reforming, and it should be some type of federal guideline on how you police our communities, uh, because our police... uh, have not been policing our communities uh, the right way. Uh, and uh, Nobody's doing anything about it. And uh, I'm just happy that this is a step in the right direction. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it's been going on for a long time and people are tired of it. And how many more lives do we have to lose uh, every day uh, because of this type of behavior by uh, people that are supposed to be protecting and serving? And that's not to go against people that are out there doing the right thing because we do have a lot of great uh, officers that do the right thing. Uh, but unfortunately, we also have a lot that do not. So this is a step in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it is it is evidence, as you said, Danny, that you know a lot of times when these instances happen and unarmed black people are killed by police officers, defenders of the police will say, oh, it's just a few bad apples. This is evidence that that is definitely not the case. And it is evidence, as you said, Danny, that 
this is what we've been saying for a long time. This we've been saying this, and people always say you're just complaining. There's no, you know, there's no discrimination. Police don't target black people. You know, white people, more white people are killed by the police than black people. And then they, they want to ignore the, the per capita statistics, but they want to say, well, it's more white people. And so this is evidence. And I, I already know without even having looked at any reaction on Twitter, I already know that there are going to be some right wingers who are going to say, yeah, but this is Joe Biden's Justice Department. And so he probably doctored the findings. And, you know, the, the, this is the, this, these are the results they wanted to find. So they, they made them. Some kind of weird iteration of just because it's a, a Justice Department under a Democratic president that these findings don't hold real weight. I, I, I'm not looking forward to seeing those takes. I just know that they're already out there. But when we come forward, we can, uh, you know, it, it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to uh, to continue to to see these instances happen when we know that this is not an isolated police department that that this is happening and we know this is happening around the country and I'm, I'm glad that it's starting to come out but we, we definitely need more reports like this when we come forward let's talk about tucker carlson let's talk about donald trump allegedly being pro-trans at one point before he had to run for president and turn anti-trans it's all coming up when we come forward in addition to what in the white privilege right here on kbla talk 1580 Ariva time is the right time. More of Ariva Martin in real time when we come forward. Because my plan from Verizon is the kind of control we all deserve. Get exactly what you want. Only pay for what you need. Get my plan at your Verizon store today. This is the KBLA Sports Minute with Ray Richardson. A very significant news day for the NBA. Memphis Grizzlies star John Morant gets a 25-game suspension without pay for conduct detrimental to the league. And Michael Jordan, the NBA's only black majority owner, is selling the Charlotte Hornets for a reported $3 billion. Jordan paid $275 million when he bought the team in 2010. The NBA without a black majority owner is not a pleasant thought. As for Morant, his suspension will cost him $7.6 million of his $38 million salary this season, a heavy price for stupid conduct, which includes flashing a gun twice in social media videos. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said Morant will have to meet some hardline conditions before he's allowed to play again. No debates, no speculation, just the info you need. That's your KBLA Sports Minute. I'm Ray Richardson. More news, opinions, and conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. The response to our second anniversary All-Star Celebration on Juneteenth has been so overwhelming that we've opened up some additional space for our listeners. If you'd like to join us on Juneteenth, all you have to do is email us at info at smileyaudiomedia.com and we'll email you back with all the particulars for our private, invitation-only All-Star Celebration on Juneteenth. That's info at smileyaudiomedia.com. We can't guarantee admission to all, but we will welcome as many additional listeners as we can accomplish. The food, drink, and live music is on us, Juneteenth. So email us, info at smileyaudiomedia.com right now, and let's see if we can't get you into the fun and festivities on Juneteenth. 
KBLA Talk 1580 is dedicated to empowering our communities by providing progressive talk radio for our audience. We strive to be an intersectional voice for the voiceless. As a black-owned and operated station, we are committed to highlighting diverse perspectives and creating safe spaces for meaningful dialogue. We believe that everyone has something unique to bring to these political, economic, social, and cultural conversations. And we don't shy away from the hard conversations about current events. We endeavor to be a beacon of hope and understanding while boldly challenging listeners to think more deeply about difficult topics that impact us all. With this in mind, our mission statement at KBLA Talk 1580 is simple. To create an inclusive platform that promotes civil discourse through honest dialogue and encourages personal growth among our listeners so they can become the active agents of change. Our vision is to establish ourselves as the premier radio network with relevant programming across the beloved community, connecting people through shared experiences and collective power for lasting impact beyond these challenging times. There's no time like the present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. It is the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. Welcome back. And we are joined by Dr. Sean Fletcher of San Jose State University and Danny Griffin, educator, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker. Coming up in a little bit, just a little bit later this hour, we're going to bring our Friday segment, What in the White Entitlements? And it is not going to be a new face who is the subject of that segment. I will, I will tell you that. But first, uh, let's bring our contributors back and let's talk about this Tucker Carlson situation. Fox News has sent a cease and desist letter to Tucker Carlson. Tucker has taken to Twitter. That's, a, that's an alliteration flurry right there. Tucker has taken to Twitter. <laughs> but he, uh, after he was fired from Fox, he started having these uh, these little these little shows on Twitter, and apparently he's not supposed to appear on any other outlets. Even though he's been fired, his contract still, uh, according to Fox, stipulates that he is not to appear on any other outlets. But uh, Tucker, who uh, personally I, I refer to by a different name that has the same uh, sound, but that starts with a different letter, um, he is not really taking these he is not really taking these uh these cease and desist uh, demands seriously he's he's gonna still do his show and his lawyers are are barking back at fox so uh so danny what do you think i mean should should tucker just be quiet has he has he already got himself in enough trouble or does he have a right to or i won't i won't, I won't say does he have a right because i don't want to <laughs> get into the legality of it but do you think it's a good idea for him to continue to do these shows on Twitter? Well, it depends. I mean, if he's being compensated uh, by Fox still and he's under contract and it's a, and it's a, uh, he has an exclusive in terms of the media and it's going to mess uh, with his money, of course. Um, if it doesn't, if there's no breach of contract, uh, then we have freedom of speech. Uh, you can say uh, whatever you want on any platform. Uh, but like I said, if it, if it's not messing with his his income, his finances, then do what you want. But if it does, you need to cease and desist. Um, you know, now unless unless you want to keep going, and you don't care about the money. I mean, he's very well off, so I'm pretty sure that he's more about 
putting whatever he wants to put out there, right? Because he's going to get his money regardless. And he's actually losing money but making money simultaneously because his thing is I'm going to keep talking on any platform that's going to give it to me, and I'm going, my profile is going to increase and enlarge. That's, that's, I'm sure that's the angle that he's taking. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like people like Tucker – are are less worried about the money because they have so much of it and and he should just be he's probably just worried about whether or not he's going to land in jail (laughs) and people people like him usually don't land in jail even even if they break the law and so you know i i don't i don't see uh i don't see him shutting up but but dr fletcher are you excited that your boy your 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 favorite uh tv host is is back uh um producing content for us on Twitter. Hey now. <laughs> hey now. Hey now. Hey now. He said, I got to go to work. Words word matter. Words word matter now. Words matter for, now. For, for, I'm, just playing, I'm just playing for, you know, for those who don't know Dr. Fletcher, I, that is a full-on full joke. <laughs> hey, listen. All right, so seriously, um, you know the interesting part about this, and, and when it comes down to, these types of high-profile separations, words matter. They never said he was fired. They said they mutually agreed to part ways, mm, mm. which means back, back in April when this happened, which likely indicates he's still under contract, not a post-contract sort of NDA that oftentimes we're all held under. I think my NDA from Apple when I was there just uh, uh, came uh, up a couple years ago. So there, there are some sort of stipulations that are involved with contracts, even if you've been terminated, that there's a number of years where you can't say anything negative about the company or compete, like non-compete clauses. Mm-hmm. With this one, I don't think that's the case. I think he's still under contract, which means he's likely still being compensated by Fox. They don't want you to talk about that part. Mm-hmm. They just want you to say and, and, and go with the headline that they mutually agreed to part ways. So, again, all of this is shrouded. In, in political maneuvering. And that bodes well for a Tucker Carlson to, to go on Elon Musk's Twitter and do what he wants to do. And Elon Musk even jumped on and praised him and said, we want more of that. We want this. So money talks in this world. And as long as, as Fox feels as though he's not going off and making money without them making a little bit, if he's willing to break them off, I would not doubt. If Fox turns a blind eye and says, go for it, even though this is still written in your original contract from 2021 that he re-upped, I would not doubt it because all of them only care about green. That's what makes this all go around. And right now, Fox is not being compensated, and he's about to potentially go to another platform and grow this grifting dynasty that he started over a few years ago at Fox News. So it's all about business for me, and I think he's going to call it bluff and keep moving. So you think they're only sending him the cease and desist letter because he's not sending them a kickback? You think if they, if he were, if he were providing them with some, some uh, a portion of of his earnings from Twitter, then mm-hmm. they, they they wouldn't be saying anything. That's what you think. Do you think that's beyond Rupert Murdoch? Oh no no I'm no just, no no absolutely not absolutely. It's not beyond him at all. Money talks to all of them. That's what how all, that's how Tucker Carlson became Tucker Carlson. So again, if you know the language that these individuals speak, they haven't learned a different language. 
you have to potentially find an avenue to speak that language, which is money. And while Rupert Murdoch does not need his money, he does not need it. The principle of mm-hmm. it all between the honor amongst thieves, if you will, mm-hmm. is you're not going to take a platform that you amass over at Fox News and take that to a different platform that we have no stake in. There's a principle amongst thieves. You just don't go do that. And we're going to make it hard on you if you choose to go do it. Now, if he decides to speak their language, I full well believe. And it's not about compensation per se, because, again, Rupert Murdoch doesn't need their money. But if he were to say, hey, what are the terms on which that you would be okay with me still being under contract? And moving forward, building this platform over on Twitter that, again, Elon Musk runs Twitter and nobody else. So I fully believe that if they had conversations, they would. Otherwise, Fox News could absolutely drop the hammer on all of this and they would all go scaring away. They chose not to do that. I think that's for a reason. Well, I think it it remains to be seen what they'll end up doing. A, a cease and desist letter is is a preliminary step. You know, and before mm-hmm. you get into all the, the litigation, it's just a, hey, 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 watch it. Watch it. That's what a cease and, de- and desist letter mm-hmm. is. And a lot of people say, hey, well, watch this. And, you know, so that seems to be what Tucker Carlson is doing. But we'll, we'll see if Fox ends up going forward with this. And personally, I would be delighted. I would love nothing more. Don't threaten me with a good time. If you, if you have t- uh, Fox <laughs> News and Tucker Carlson going at it, hey. Hey, that's that's like seeing Alien versus Predator. That's like seeing two villains trying to kill each other in a movie. That's those are the the scenes you like the best. Oh, no, no one, some one of these guys is gonna die. You know, when you're watching a, a a film when two of the bad guys are fighting each other, oh, this is great. Yeah, it's good entertainment. Yeah, you don't have to worry. But you know, when, when the good guy is fighting, you're like, oh man, I hope he doesn't, hope he doesn't die. I hope he or she doesn't doesn't die here. But when the, the villains are fighting, oh, oh, cut his head off. So uh, I can't wait to see uh, how this progresses. And as I, I doubt it, I doubt that that he is not being paid by them still, because he was fired very suddenly, or or as you said, Dr. Fletcher, they mutually agreed to part ways very suddenly, and we all know it was because of the Dominion uh, lawsuit situation. And I don't, I don't think that I, I, it was probably in his contract somewhere. I'm not a, an entertainment attorney, but it had to have been in his contract somewhere that they, that they can't just let him go that quickly and not continue to pay him. So we'll see how that story moves going forward. When we come forward, it's going to be our Friday segment, What in the White Entitlement? And I'm going to tell you, as I mentioned, it's not a new subject. This will not be his first time as the subject of our What in the White Entitlement Friday segment. I'll give you a clue. It's Donald Trump. And speaking of Donald Trump, let's talk about his his pro-trans stance, his pro-transgender stance before all of this bluster that he has to have as, as a Republican. I feel like as a Republican, you have to be just severely anti-trans. But when you're not running for office as a Republican, maybe you're not as virulently anti-LGBTQ. Let's talk about that when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. He's the real deal in real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580.
way we spend our time defines who we are. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. It's the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. We're back with our contributors, Danny Griffin and Dr. Sean Fletcher. Gentlemen, it is time for what in the white privilege? It's white. All right, so we all know that Donald Trump is under indictment. He was arraigned this past week in a Miami courthouse. He is not taking the usual approach that people take when they have been indicted. He is continuing to talk smack about Jack, uh, Jack Smith, that is. He's continuing to to um, not just criticize, but outwardly insult the man who is bringing these charges against him. I don't know what's more white privilege than that. Because I know <laughs> us brothers, <laughs> we, we're in court. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go ahead and zip it on up. We're going to go ahead and take the Friday approach. Yeah, uh, I, I, when, when we're in court, we'll be quiet. But when, when the court, court is over, when the, when the case is dismissed, we're going to be talking again. But his case is not dismissed. He's, he's very active. His case is very active because he's facing very serious charges. But let's hear what he had to say about Jack Smith after, this is after that appearance in court. But we learned nothing about the Biden bribery scheme or special counsel Robert Hur's investigation. Robert Hur is doing the Biden investigation. He's a very respected, very nice person. Very nice person. Mine's not such a nice person. Mine's a deranged lunatic. The prosecutor in the case I will call it our case, is a thug. I've named him Deranged Jack Smith. I wonder what his name used to be, Jack Smith. It sounds so innocent, doesn't it? Jack Smith. What's his name? Jack Smith. He's a very nice man. I'm here, and I love you all, and we can take it. But what these thugs, what these thugs have done to my family is a disgrace. You take a look at this guy. He looks like a thug. Okay. But then I watched him make a speech. (laughs) (laughs) What they have done to my family. What they have done to my family is what Trump said. The lack of accountability. And we all know that Donald Trump will never take accountability for anything. He never has. He never will. But just the brazen privilege of that whole speech. I mean, his all of his actions, honestly, since being charged with with these indictments. And since this whole case even became even became public and the FBI visited Mar-a-Lago and got the documents back. These are not his documents. They're not his. And he's saying, no, but they're mine and I can do what I want with them and I'm going to put them wherever I want. And not only are they not his, not only are they property of the government. They are dangerous those documents have secrets on contained within them that if the information becomes known other people's lives are at risk and our national security is at risk and he's saying look what they're doing to me look what they're doing to my family not oh yeah i i did this this is what i did but this is what they're doing to me these are all his actions that he's blaming other people for and then calling the prosecutor a thug and calling him deranged. I mean, come on now. 
show me a time when when a, when a non-white person has ever done that to a to a, someone prosecuting them. I'm sorry. That is why Donald Trump is the subject once again. Man, I want to have it be somebody else, but the, the the privilege he continues to display week in and week out. He continues to be the subject of what in the white entitlement. It's white. And speaking of Donald Trump, let's talk about this this report that just came out about you know years before he was running for president to quote unquote defeat the cult of gender ideology. He was actively including transgender people in his pageant. He welcomed and praised the inclusion of, of transgender women in the Miss Universe pageant. He, um, he even praised other people for doing the same. The winner of the Miss USA pageant, Olivia Culpo, he said that uh, he praised her for saying that transgender women should be allowed to compete. And so now, obviously, he's, he's, a, he's a Republican... And now they have to hate trans people and and pretty much all gay people actually. Uh, it's it's like in their it's like in their contract or something. <laughs> but Dr. Fletcher, your thoughts on on this uh, on this revelation that Trump was once pro-trans? Well, it's not it's not really a a revelation. One thing that and you know Trump goes by a bunch of different labels, right? But he is a capitalist at heart he may be a raging narcissist he may boy he may have some, some psychopathic tendencies if you really look at <laughs> the definition of it but but when it comes down to it he's an opportunist and he's a capitalist and he is driven by power he's driven by status he will say anything that the the, the circumstances require and he's running a pageant and he wants it to go a certain way that's ultimately going to reflect positively on himself and his, his, his empire that he was trying to build around that time. But then again, and he told the line during that time. He kind of played the there's good people on both sides argument when he said, hey, that was a great answer. It's a tough question about transgender uh, uh, individuals, and not everybody agrees with it. He played it very diplomatic to an extent. And then when he moved to political candidate, Trump, the circumstances necessitated him to change his stripes again. And then he started to play to the base. He is a opportunist. He is a capitalist and nothing more, nothing less. He will manipulate the situation, people, circumstances to the, to the extent that he needs to in order to get things done according to feeding whatever agenda that he has. So no, this, this doesn't surprise me at all because there's countless cases like this where he's done an about face when the situation calls for it. I mean, there are too many to even name. Yeah, Danny Griffin, give it, give me your uh, your response in uh, 45 seconds. If you can. Well, well, you're going to always switch teams when it benefits you financially, uh, as Dr. Fletcher stated. Uh, and if you look at Donald Trump's past, I mean, we can Google it. Uh, this dude, we, you could be watching Video Soul or BET, and this guy's in the background on a video. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty years later, you watching people True. storm the Capitol and and, and 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 talking about all types of people, handicapped, African American. I'm, I'm watching the like, Million Man March. Yeah. I say the same. Yeah, I mean, so he's so, so so it's like a, a political. I call it a capitalistic <laughs> flea. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a flea. Yeah, well, hey, was that? and political. <laughs> hey, Mike. Mike Pence had the fly on his head. Trump is a flea. That just the whole the insect family. But but yeah, man. I mean, he he doesn't have any principles. He has zero principles. He is going to do what benefits him in the moment. It's very clear. I just think it's hilarious that things like this continue to come out. And it's it's, it's obvious for anyone who wants to know. His supporters just don't actually want to know. They're they're so wrapped up in this this image of him that they have. You know, it's so funny. They they mm-hmm. they hyperimpose his head on like muscular bodies all the time. Like, dude, what? Why do you do that? That that's not him. That's never been him. His nah, whole life. No, nah, that has never been him. And so this, they have this this fat this fantasy about him, and it's just it's weird, and it is it's 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 confusing. But it's not going to stop anytime soon. Hopefully, he just goes to jail and then loses in twenty four. But uh, when we come forward, I do want to talk. Uh, I want to talk about the young man Quincy Reese, who who was killed. Uh, Crenshaw High School star athlete, standout student, who who was killed uh, on Saturday. Danny Griffin had this young man in one of his classes, and also uh, want to uh, update you on the latest news when we come forward. Right after this, uh, this news, traffic, and sports update on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica. One of them. STEM is powered by active ingredients found in plants to fight off bugs safely and effectively when used as directed. STEM, rooted in nature, optimized by science. Is this, this is the KBLA Sports Minute with Ray Richardson. Ray Richardson. A very significant news day for the NBA. Memphis Grizzlies star John Moran gets a 25-game suspension without pay for conduct detrimental to the league. And Michael Jordan, the NBA's only black majority owner, is selling the Charlotte Hornets for a reported $3 billion. Jordan paid $275 million when he bought the team in 2010. The NBA without a black majority owner is not a pleasant thought. As for Morant, his suspension will cost him $7.6 million of his $38 million salary this season, a heavy price for stupid conduct, which includes flashing a gun twice in social media videos. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said Morant will have to meet some hardline conditions before he's allowed to play again. No debates, no speculation, just the info you need. That's your KBLA Sports Minute. I'm Ray Richardson. More news, opinions, and conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. We begin top story with late breaking news. Is it going to succeed, yes or no? I think it's going to succeed. It's going to succeed. Can you believe it? Y'all did it. KBLA Talk 1580 is about to celebrate its second anniversary on Juneteenth. And no terrible twos around here. We couldn't be more excited about all the good news we'll be announcing soon, including the launch of some new shows to keep giving you more of what you've been looking for. Come on! Smart Radio radio. for Smart People. Hey, it's our celebration, but you get all the gifts. We'll be giving away fresh merch, swag bags, and a chance for you to join the private invitation only. Star-studded music and dance till you drop food and drink galore. Second anniversary celebration. To stay in the know about the second anniversary details, download the KBLA Talk 1580 app right now. Don't miss out on your chance to be a winner at KBLA Talk 1580. When we come forward, we're bringing everybody with us. Happy anniversary, KBLA! And it 
It is the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. It's hour two. I'm Avi Bernard with you every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Here's what you might have missed. The Minneapolis Police Department routinely used excessive force and discriminated against black and Native American people in the years before one of its officers killed George Floyd, according to federal authorities today. In an 89-page report that followed a more than two-year federal civil rights investigation, the Justice Department excoriated the Minneapolis police force as an agency that put officers and local residents at unnecessary risk, failed to act upon repeated warnings about biased behavior, and countenanced the systemic problems that gave way to Floyd's death in 2020. The report's release came a little more than three years after Floyd, who's a black man, was filmed gasping for air while pinned down by Derek Chauvin, a white police officer in Minneapolis, on Memorial Day in 2020. Floyd's death helped ignite nationwide protests over policing and social and racial injustice, and Chauvin was convicted of murder the following year. Fox News has sent a cease and desist letter to Tucker Carlson alleging that the conservative network's former star anchor breached his contract by launching a new show on Twitter, according to a source familiar with the matter. Carlson, a right-wing media personality known for spreading conspiracy theories, parted ways with Fox News in late April, days after the network agreed to pay almost $800 million to Dominion voting systems to avert a high-stakes defamation trial. The gunman who killed 11 worshippers in a Pittsburgh synagogue in October 2018 was found guilty today of dozens of federal hate crimes and civil rights offenses, closing the first stage of a trial that may ultimately end in a death sentence. After five hours of deliberations over two days, the jury found the gunman, Robert Bowers, guilty on all 63 counts, including 26 firearms-related offenses and 11 charges of obstructing the free exercise of religious beliefs. When the trial resumes on June 26th, it will turn to the question of punishment. The jury will hear, will hear arguments about whether the 50-year-old Mr. Bowers is eligible to be sentenced to death for these crimes. If the jurors decide that he is, they will then decide whether the death sentence should be imposed. Deion Sanders might lose his left foot as a result of circulation issues that forced him to have two toes amputated in 2021. Sanders allowed camera crews with the pregame show to film a meeting with his medical team at the University of Colorado where he's preparing for his first season as head football coach. That's, that's, that's crazy. I hope that doesn't happen, but he, apparently he's saying if it, if it, if it happens, he wants it to happen now before the season starts, because once the season starts, he's going to be quote unquote too busy. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And uh, I do want to remind everyone to call your uh, call the school board because Ariva was was talking to Austin Butner, the former LASD uh, superintendent, last hour, and we want to remind you to to call the school board and support the keeping primary promise. Call the school board in support of keeping primary promise. That vote is this Tuesday. All right, so make sure to call the school board and support keeping primary promise when we come forward i do want to talk to our contributors about the ja morant suspension 25 games i can't have you guys on here on a day when this suspension comes down and not talk about that so we're going to talk about that when we come forward and we're also going to talk about the the, the horrible tragedy that that los angeles is is dealing with the death the murder of 16 year old uh Crenshaw High School student, 
Quincy Reese. We're going to talk about those things with our contributors when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. She's the real deal in real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. There's no time like the present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. The Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. Avi Bernard, pleased to be with you. And please, as always, to have our excellent contributors here, Danny Griffin, educator, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker, and Dr. Sean Fletcher, professor at San Jose State University. Let's start off with this John Morant situation. He has been suspended 25 games to start the 23-24 season. That will be the upcoming NBA season. Because of conduct detrimental to the league, The Grizzlies suspended Morant from team activities on May 14th after a video on social media circulated showing the All-Star brandishing a firearm again. The NBA suspended Morant for eight games following a similar incident in March when he was seen on Instagram Live holding up a handgun while intoxicated at a Denver area club. See, now that the Nuggets have won the championship and I'm remembering that that was at a Denver area club, maybe the Nuggets set him up. No, but in all seriousness, though, guys, <laughs> <laughs> Danny, let's uh, let's start with you on this one. Uh, what are your what's your reaction to this twenty five game suspension of Morant? Well, you know, my first take on it this morning before I kind of did my due diligence, I was a little tired. So when I woke up, I saw twenty five games. Oh, that's too much. He did eight before. Then I did a little math. I'll take time too. Okay, that's, <laughs> so that's double. Okay, so he double. So I said, wait a minute, that's triple. So this is tripling the amount of games. And I said, oh, he didn't get the NBA max. He's not gonna get it because he didn't make all NBA. When I mean, he didn't make all NBA because of conduct detrimental to the league's brand. <laughs> so it's ver- once again, it's legality versus morality, right? What's good for your company policy, but you didn't break a law. Right. And then what stated happened in open carry versus it's just too many issues. So when we start getting into that, being an African-American male who's been granted uh, a position uh, and an opportunity to be blessed doing what you love. OK, I think we need to hold ourselves to a different standard. It doesn't matter what the NBA says or legality versus morality. We have to have a standard just being an African-American man because of what our ancestors have paved the way for us. You know, the, be a renaissance man. You know, think about what our ancestors have uh, have accomplished. That's what I think we need to get by, not what Adam Silver did or this person or that person or this corporate sponsor. Because we all know if David Stern was still the commissioner, this brother would have got suspended for the whole year. <laughs> you know that and I know that, right? I'm just telling mm-hmm. you. But we need to dress code back. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. We need to dress code back. Uh, you know, we letting people do all kind of things because of the legalization of marijuana. Just letting the guys do whatever they want because our superstars are still living that lifestyle. Once the superstars retire and a new breed of superstar come that has a different cachet, we'll see the league morph again with a different commissioner. The league needs to have some type of consistency uh, because we're not doing the same thing they did before with David Stern and the superstars of the past was doing the same thing superstars do today. They were just more professional about it, right? Jordan and them had a different type of cachet. These young boys get mad at the commissioner, start complaining to the player association. Now you want to change the rules up. Now you're going from a jacket on the bench to looking like a plumber on the bench or looking like you're on vacation or you're looking like a gangster on What's the bench. What's wrong with plumbers? 
Well, I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying, my guy Randall, he had a beanie on with a sweater. I mean, come on, you got to have some type of professionalism because if you're sitting on, you're on TV, you're an entertainer, come on now, we come on, now, we know the rule, come on now, have well, some that, well, pride, Well, that's man. how it was, I mean. Yeah, T-shirt, V-neck. Well, I mean, well, to your you point You good, about, though, Avi, today. I like the T-shirt. <laughs> to, to the point of legality versus morality. Uh, it's a private corporation, so you if you have to follow their rules, if you're going to be an employee of that of that corporation, and and the NBA has its own rules, and they're very specific about about guns, and so yeah, he didn't break any laws, but especially having just gone through the situation a, a couple of months before, and you're gonna, you're going doing it you're doing it again. I mean it it, it doesn't it, it doesn't make sense for him to to do that, and it and the NBA has every right I think to suspend him for that. I'm. I thought it might have been even longer, but I think, I think that's that's about right mm. for me. I think that's about the right length. And, and to your comments on the dress code, I I don't agree that it should be put back in. I think it was a little oppressive, and I think that it was a little uh, a little uh, uh, kind of some coded uh, some coded coded uh, talk there from from David Stern saying, "Well." You guys are looking a little too black over there on the bench. A little bit. It needs you to know? be. It's a fluid situation. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that that's my opinion. But, uh, but Dr. Fletcher, what's your, um, <laughs> what do you think about uh, this twenty-five game suspension uh, for John Morant? I, it's about what I thought it was going to be. Uh, I thought he'd be out uh, until around Christmas, so he he's going to miss uh, about that amount of time. Uh, the bottom line is is that you know the the stupid tax comes for all of us, <laughs> and empathy empathy went away after the first time. Had he gotten this the first time, I would be up in arms about it. As the the NBA Players Association is right now, they're they're going to file a grievance. Uh, it was reported a couple hours ago. That's business. I get that part. Yeah, they were going to file that. However. They were going to file that no matter what, as every players' association right, does, right. every union does. Right. That is that's that's business. But when it comes down to to John Morant's situation, when you sit down with the commissioner, and it is a very public PR show, we all knew that him going away for a couple of days wasn't going to reform him. Mm. He wasn't going to be transformed. It was a PR move. And he, it was, it was clearly a handshake agreement between his side and the league side to say we're going to do this dog and pony show for a few days. We're going to clean this up, and we're going to let you get back out there on the court. But do not do this again. Mm-hmm. And he did it again. <laughs> and I, and when I say the stupid tax, I'm saying you don't understand how business works, John Morant. This there's a personal side and there's a business side. But when you don't understand how business works, businesses that are bigger than you are going to teach you how it works. And they're going to say you don't make us look bad, and they're going to also take it out of your pocket. He stands to lose $7.5 million. That's more than a lot of people will make in their lifetime with this with this 25-game suspension. Yes, overall, that's not going to hurt him that much. But, again, when he looks back on his career, hopefully he'll – he'll regain his footing and have an illustrious rest of his career. He's going to remember that money loss. Like Danny mentioned, he's ineligible for uh, the super match because he's not going to be able to play. He's not going to be able to play the required minimum games this year. 
to be eligible for first team all NBA and all those things that are stipulations to max contract. He stands to lose a lot more than seven point five million dollars. So again, empathy, I'm short on a little bit today for him. But overall, again, there still has to be some reclamation. I fully align with what Danny mentioned in terms of the overarching uh, sort of reflection and, and, and issues that we need to start reconciling in terms of a young black man dealing with this situation and identity and all those types of things. But that aside, stupid taxes and stupid tax. He's paying that today. Yeah, you, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. Danny, what does John Morant mm-hmm. need to do? I mean, this is the off season now. So the first incidents of him having a gun on camera, and it was his IG. I mean, it's his IG live. I mean, it, that, that, was, that was so stupid. But the second one, it was his boys. And you know you're on IG live because you guys are both dancing for the camera. So it, it, it was very stupid. But that first incident, incident happened mid-season. Very different situation. Now it's the off-season. The season just ended. So he's got months here if he really is going to try to seek help. What does he need to do from now until the start of the season? And he's also got that 25 games. He's got that 25 games to start the season, but he's also got to come in in shape and if he wants to play. And so what does John Morant, the man, though, what does the, the man John Morant need to do in these several months before the season starts? So uh, a, a lot of athletes, uh, particularly in the football realm, uh, football has, this, has had issues similar, uh, more so than – than basketball. Everybody knows that. And they all go to Tony Dungy, call him the cleanser, <laughs> the cleanup guy. So a lot of people go to individuals <laughs> such as Tony Dungy or other people. Who's also anti-gay. Yeah, but, well, yeah, yeah, they may have to find another person. Uh, or they may come to a person that is well-respected in the intellectual or the academia area because let's just let's just put it out there. The, the, the guys that are coaching full-time aren't necessarily known to be a part of developing student-athletes off the field holistically. So you need to be a part of a program or seek counsel from someone such as, uh, like Dr. Fletcher that's on our line right now. Or, you know, you got Dr. Cooper back east. I know a lot of people, it's it's a symposium that goes on nationwide every year that deals with black African-American student-athletes developing holistically. But the thing is, while you matriculate mm-hmm. in college and you're participating in intercollegiate athletics, the coaches a lot of times and these universities don't push these athletes to these programs. It's like you come on your own merit. I know when I did this at the University of Connecticut, when I was a part of this program with Dr. Cooper, who was in this program as well, the players had to – you had to come on your own. It's not something uh, that is – pushed you understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. so now being a professional and you're worth millions of dollars you have to go seek counsel on your own and be it's not like putting on a, a flag jacket and you're cleaning up on the side of the road doing caltrans work because you're on probation this is something that you have to do uh from inside and it has to be pure it, ha- it cannot be a motive behind it you have to want to get better but you have to seek people that are not that are not in your pocket that's not yes men and you also, he needs to change his playlist too, by the way. 
<laughs> whatever yeah because yeah cause it's just certain people you listening to you getting overly excited brother and you need to change your circle right you need to change your playlist and i'm gonna be honest with you whatever it takes it, it could be appearance it could be a new beginning shaving your hair it could be your appearance uh, your clothes don't whatever. go don't go the hair route. No, i'm just saying do whatever you got to do like like you know people go on diets people work out People change their appearance. Whatever so you're you saying it's do. more about personal transformation than yes, about that. Yes, it's the, a spiritual, the hair, emotional. Exactly. Yes, okay. he needs to see God too. By the way, okay, or so, Allah, whoever he, whatever he does. Well, yeah, we can have a whole different show about how whack the music is nowadays. That all these young dudes <laughs> be listening to, all these new rappers that, that are just so whack. Um, but I think you know, with him, I, I wonder. I wonder about that, uh, Doctor Fletcher. What you think about that? Because Commissioner Adam Silver said that he might need to undergo some some specific uh, he might need to meet some specific conditions before he resumes playing should some kind of therapy or counseling be one of those conditions well those were the stipulations the first time so no okay i don't think that's the solution um you cannot you can't legislate people's personal development because then it becomes a performance like it was the first time. How many have we seen go into treatment centers and then come right back out? I remember uh, uh, when, when, when I was uh, growing up in St. Louis and the Rams first got there and one of their star players got a DUI and killed a, a woman, an elderly woman. And he had to do the whole perp walk and the whole dog and pony show with the league at that time. It was Tagliabue. And, Came right back out, and you know what? Did it again. Mm. Did it again. And again, when you talk about the performance versus the substance of transformation and change, number one, transformation doesn't happen quick enough on a business timeline. So they're not looking for that. Transformation takes years. They need this brother out there making money for this lead. So we know that that's disingenuous from the job. So when we really talk about this virtue signaling, that's the one part about Adam Silver's message that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, was the virtue signaling. You don't know this man's heart. You don't know what it's going to take to get him ready to actually be prepared as a, as a man, identity stable, to get back out there and be a, a healthy, contributing member of this society um, and not a harm to himself. But then when you now start talking about you want to legislate to feel like he's ready to go back into a multi-billion dollar ecosystem, the two don't go together. So while I fully understand some of the talking points Commissioner Silver had to say within it, and many of them are true, I think it's a step too far to start putting those stipulations too specific into the, the, the sort of terms and conditions of him being reinstated. That stuff never, never works. So what do you think? Uh, what do you think that John Morant should do then in these next few months? I think in these next few months, I think he's. <laughs> While wow, uh, Danny's absolutely right with the Tony Dungy and you know, oftentimes the, the Dr. Harry Edwards of the world finding uh, a, a mentor. A lot of times, again, that there's no substance behind that, but I do think he needs to find a substantive mm-hmm. mentor. I think he needs to I think he needs to find a substantive source of, of therapy and mental health uh, support 
someone who can help him unpack in a substantive, genuine, authentic way where he is right now. Because a person's behavior is a symptom of who they are. It's a reflection of what's inside. It's not who they are per se. Even though we get caught up in all these these, these cliches of you are a collection of what you do, all that. Yeah, that's true. But those things, the behaviors are oftentimes changed when you then go and do the internal self work. Now, that's what he should be doing. Adam Silver, you can keep tabs on it, but you, I don't believe that any league should be in the business of trying to legislate someone's personal self work because at, at the end of the day, you have to quantify that to then put in the terms and conditions. And when you start quantifying social, personal work, that's a path to nowhere. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even remember that about the Rams player. You're talking about Leonard Little, right? Yeah, I wasn't going to name names. Oh, yeah. boy. Hey, wait. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, well, blame Google. Huh? Obvi. Uh, well, I mean. Obvi. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. Yes, it was it was winning a little. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, man. I just had to, okay. I, I, just, I had to ask. Very, but, but yeah, because I, I didn't even remember that, so I'm looking it up, and he uh, he went to. It looks like he just had 90 days uh, in a city workhouse, four years of probation, and a thousand hours of community service. But you look at mm-hmm. Henry Ruggs from the Raiders. He's he just pleaded guilty to killing a young woman and her dog, uh, while driving drunk. I think it's going like 100 miles an hour or something. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do like three to nine years. So that's a completely I, – I just was yep. remembering when you, when, you brought, yep. when you brought up the Leonard Little situation, that's crazy how much of a difference it is now. Maybe because the woman was older. I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 such, a, it's such a difference in the, in the sentencing that Henry Ruggs is facing that and then Leonard Little yep. is facing. But uh, when we come forward, I do want to turn the page and, and have this discussion – about Quincy Reese, the young man uh, from Crenshaw High School who was murdered last weekend and the bright future that he had ahead of him. We are going to, to get in that discussion. If you, if you want to uh, add anything, you can free, feel free to call us, 800-920-1580. That's 800-920-1580. We will get into that conversation right after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580. Ariva time is the right time. More of Ariva Martin in real time when we come forward. forward. Latest Intel Core processors, plus get deals on select accessories and free shipping on everything. Save now by calling 877-ASK-DELL. This is the KBLA Sports Minute with Ray Richardson. A very significant news day for the NBA. Memphis Grizzlies star John Morant gets a 25-game suspension without pay for conduct detrimental to the league. And Michael Jordan, the NBA's only black majority owner, is selling the Charlotte Hornets for a reported $3 billion. Jordan paid $275 million when he bought the team in 2010. The NBA without a black majority owner is not a pleasant thought. As for Morant, his suspension will cost him $7.6 million of his $38 million salary this season, a heavy price for stupid conduct, which includes flashing a gun twice in social media videos. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said Morant will have to meet some hardline conditions before he's allowed to play again. No debates, no speculation, just the info you need. That's your KBLA Sports Minute. I'm Ray Richardson. More news, opinions, and conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. 
We begin top story with late breaking news. Is it going to succeed, yes or no? I think it's going to succeed. It's going to succeed. It's going to succeed. It's going to succeed. Yeah! KBLA Talk 1580 is about to celebrate its second anniversary on Juneteenth, and no terrible twos around here. We couldn't be more excited about all the good news we'll be announcing soon, including the launch of some new shows to keep giving you more of what you've been looking for. Come on! Smart Radio for Smart People. Hey, it's our celebration, but you get all the gifts. We'll be giving away fresh merch, swag bags, and a chance for you to join the private invitation-only star-studded music and dance till you drop food and drink galore second anniversary celebration. To stay in the know about the second anniversary details, download the KBLA Talk 1580 app right now. Don't miss out on your chance to be a winner at KBLA Talk 1580. When we come forward, we're bringing everybody with us. Happy anniversary, KBLA! You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. It's Ariva Martin in real time, the Friday edition, and I am joined by my contributors, Dr. Sean Fletcher of San Jose State University and Danny Griffin, educator, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker. All right, Danny, so let's talk about 16-year-old Quincy Reese. He was murdered in L.A. Saturday night. Very sad situation. He was a standout student and a standout athlete who had, I believe, over 50 scholarship offers to go to college. So he was, at a minimum, going to have a top-notch education paid for. His life is on a great path. And, and you, you knew this young man. This young man was in one of your classes. Can you, uh, can you tell us about well, what, what class in, in yours was he in? So I, I was substitute teaching earlier this year at Crenshaw High School, my alma mater. Uh, and, uh, you know, Quincy Q, as we call him, uh, was in several of the classes that I subbed up there. He was in several of the classes that I, I, I was a substitute teacher in at Crenshaw High School earlier this year. And uh, I knew him outside of the classroom as well because being an alumni of Crenshaw High School and a former basketball player myself, um, you know, I knew members of the team, the coaching staff, and, uh, you know, some of the parents. So uh, I had a relationship uh, with, with Quincy. Great kid. Just so so mm. what, what, what was he like in your experience? So he really stood out to me, and what I'm about to say uh, correlates to everybody's reflection of him, of Quincy. Um, gentleman, very, very respectful. Uh, always spoke to you, uh, always lit up the room, had a great smile, and he was just different. Um, you know, a lot of kids get a pass today because society has changed in terms of it might be sagging or or, 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 or saying, you know, code switching, using a lot of street terms, whatever. This kid was very consistent, uh, and it really stood out to me. And it just reminds you of old school, you know what I mean? Old school. Um, and you could just see that the community uh, and, and, and Quincy Sr. had his hands uh, on him and grandfather, just all kind of people. You could just see that he was projected uh, to do some great things uh, academically. And, you know, when you and, when, and you know, today guys like to play one sport, you know, and, and, and focus in on that. A lot of times sports get all the attention. This young man ran cross country. This young man played baseball. This young man was going to play for Coach Garrett and the football team coming up in the fall. OK, so he was a, a stellar student athlete. And a lot of times we see the news of tragedies and, and, and the family says one thing. 
and then you see things or find out things that don't add up. Well, the math is always going to add up with this young man, Quincy Weeks. Always going to add up because what everybody's saying is exactly true. Okay, you you can talk about the pictures and the videos and what people are saying. I saw it. I, he was in my class. Okay, because I had to tell some people a couple of days, hey, what you doing? What's going on? This young man was assisting me in class, helping me. This young man was the real deal. So have you heard anything from people you know um, around the area? You know, you grew up around here. You went to school at the same school. Do you have you heard anything about what 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 happened? Well, I'm only gonna go off of, of what is already out there. What you know, what you know, the the dad has said, and other people on the news have said that was there. You know, obvi- obviously, you know, we're throwing the gang thing out because people are saying that was there. This has nothing to do with that. Uh, they're saying it was personal, something about a girl or something similar. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're gonna let the ju- judicial system take care of that, and we're gonna let God take care of that. And hopefully the culprits will be uh, brought to justice. But that's what we're hearing, and, and that's what the, the fam, you know, the dad said on the news in terms of uh, a young lady. But uh, you know, the, the main thing is black lives have to matter to black people. Okay, seriously, uh, we have to do better as a community. Uh, you know, we have to protect all of our students, whether they have a 3.0 or 1.5. We got to protect. We got to protect. Uh, all of our young men and women in our communities, regardless of what color they are. This is just point blank. Uh, we can't have our babies uh, meeting this type of tragedy at this young of an age. And we particularly, African-American men and women in our communities, we have to embrace uh, our young people, and, and they have to be accepted, acceptable and, and, and understand that we're just trying to love them and get them to do the right thing and, 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 and listen to constructive criticism. Because I think today... It's different in the 80s and 70s where it took a village and your grandmother would get involved, neighbors, everybody say something. Today, people are scared to reprimand other people's neighbors. I mean, kids and parents are getting killed for balls going in the wrong yard. People are getting Mm -hmm. killed for going to knock on people's door and say, hey, you said something to my son or my daughter. So imagine that type of impact that's happening in our community when Mrs. Jones on the corner is scared to say something to the young man who's coming home late you know what I mean? So what what do we do? I mean, this is a problem here for me. It's a huge problem. I want to I want to bring Dr. Dr. Fletcher in. So, uh, Dr. Fletcher, what are your thoughts on? I know you're not um, in L.A. You're not an L.A. resident, but you have spent mm-hmm. time down here. But you know, this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't a problem that is that is just local to L.A. So, uh, what what are your thoughts on this situation? Well, first off, my condolences to Quincy Reese Jr.'s family. Uh, his loved ones, uh, the community uh, that raised him and loved on him, including you, Danny. Um, those who who saw the value in this young man's life, his life matters. Um, and those who are listening as well, your life matters as well. We're seeing the devaluation of life across this country, and specific to to young Black Americans. Um, we're seeing that the system is also failing us. And while I totally agree with what Danny mentioned, I'll just take a little bit of a, of a different perspective and take on it. So I don't, so I don't uh, repeat what Danny just mentioned. Um, again, we saw a young man and his promising future uh, cut short at the hands of, of a weapon. The reasoning behind it, as Danny mentioned, that, that is still, that will come to light. But 
talk about systemic. There are more guns in this country than people. There are almost half a billion guns in circulation in the United States. But when you talk about some of the issues that this country has, you have to, to break it down in further detail to understand how it dis- disproportionately affects us, how it disproportionately affects black people, and specific to L.A. County. Black teenagers only make up 8% of the county's teenage population, 30% of teen homicides we represent. Again, a overarching macro problem that can be, you can, you can miss the, the, the details of it of how it disproportionately affects our people. We're killed overall by firearms at a rate three times higher than the average population. And I'm not talking about the U.S., Danny. I've been talking about L.A. County in particular. So when you start unpacking the circumstances in which, because what we do know, and you always mention it, there will be the talking heads who say black people killing black people again. Nothing new to see here. Well, let's unpack how we got here. Let's, let's, un, let's unpack how, how we are, are uh, uh, under-resourced. We're undereducated in our communities. We're over-policed. We're over-criminalized. We see a, a less than adequate resources for health care, mental health. We live, we're the second most likely to live underneath the poverty line behind Native Americans. The statistics bear out a lot of the results that we continue to see. It's an oversimplification to look at this situation and again say that this is simply black on black crime. That's what we used to see politicians talk about in, in the Reagan 80s, when we were just penalizing and victimizing the victims. In this type of situation, there is a breakdown systemically. But as Danny mentioned, yes, we do have to look at ourselves. Yes, we do have to, 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 to figure out what's going on within, within our own community. But again, to disaggregate the situation in a way that turns a blind eye to the systemic issues that allow for us to be in these conditions of hopelessness to be in these conditions of lack of resources to help us navigate what is otherwise oftentimes a hopeless environment that should be a hopeful environment for a young man who had the world in front of him. To take a different perspective on this, you have to look at how we got here. And there are experts like Danny who will help us, our community, navigate through and yes, we do have these larger conversations, but someone like me is always going to turn the mirror around on the system in which we operate, like, like the, 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 the activist and poet laureate, my favorite, James Baldwin, always would talk about. You need to take a look at the system in which you are operating within, also being educated within, and that will also tell you and give you a clearer picture as to why you're living under the circumstances and the conditions that you are. So today, while I do mourn his loss, I do take another look at the circumstances in which this happened. Thank you for that, Dr. Fletcher. Very well said. I want to bring into the conversation Keon Kindred, who I believe also knew Quincy Reese. Keon played at Dominguez High School with Tyson Chandler. And he, I believe also, and correct me if I'm wrong, Keon uh, played at Long Beach State and um, was it UTEP? 
And so, uh, yes. so, uh, so welcome to the show, Keon. Thanks for calling in. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Um, yes. On different terms, but I appreciate being here. Yeah, please uh, tell us your thoughts uh, and, and your, your experience of Quincy Reese. So I am basically like Big Q, which is what we call him. So I'm, I'm, I'm his big brother. Uh, his family and I grew up together and raised him. Um, I'm the one that put the basketball in Big Q's hand, which then later transitioned into having Little Q uh, playing a basketball. Grew up in the same neighborhood off of 67th and Western. Q grew up right behind me on 66th and Western. So uh, when he was able to walk and talk and, and, and wanted to get into sports, um, he was under my wing. So uh, his father and I are you basically everyone considers his brother. So uh, Little Q would definitely be a, be a nephew of bloodline to me, um, known since he was born. And uh, the family, you know, we're, 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 we're mourning, and this is a, a tragedy um, that it should have never happened. But being that it did, uh, we inside the community are sticking together. Um, I've known, we call him D. Griff, but Danny Griff, I've known him literally half my life. He's a person that in our community that we look up to, especially in the sports world. Um, he's helped me when I was in high school and on to what I do now as a prep school coach, having my own prep school in Los Angeles, um, which was going to be an option for Little Q after high school if he didn't get the offers or he had wanted playing uh, high school basketball at Grinshaw. Um, but same sentiments you guys have said. Like in, For you not to know him as personally as I did, you, you're right on, you're spot on. You know, great kid. Um, was a was a was a normal kid like really just wanted to just play video games, be around mm-hmm. his friends, and, and, and expand and do those type of things. And I give his father Big Q a lot of credit because that wasn't the way we grew up. We grew up a little tougher. We grew up a little harder. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, probably gang banging, drug dealing was what we were raised around. And for him, once he had his son, he had him young. Um, once he had you, you saw the shift in him change, and he got his kid out the hood. And where we come from. You know, 18 is a milestone, and that's a sad thing for our community where my nephew is taken from us at 16. You know, kids going to prom, kids going to prom, just a few days away from uh, finishing up prom and looking forward to going through his senior year um, toward his life to be tragically cut short. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's, it's tough to fathom the idea that our kids are no longer safe anywhere. You know, that's the community we come yeah. from. 74th and Western, as I stated, we grew up on 67th and Western, 66th and Western. We walked down those streets. I live around the corner. My house is on 74th and Dalton. I was in walking distance to the crime scene um, as I got there maybe an hour after it happened um, to be there for two and the family and, you know, friends and everything. So it's, it's, it's scary that it's so close to home when we literally took him out of that area. We, he wasn't raised over here. He didn't grow up over here. And for that to happen, is just, it's just, it's just, it's just a sad day. It's a, it's a, it's a horrible, it's a horrible tragedy. It's a very sad day. And, uh, if you, if you don't mind hanging around for a little bit, Keon, I want to ask, um, we're going to have to step away for a quick second, but I do want to ask when we come forward, uh, what what do you think his potential was? I mean, obviously, you know, you knew him very well, and, and Danny knew it, you, you knew him as well, and you've talked, you've spoken to the the high caliber of young man that he was. But I do want to ask, you know, uh, you know, what, where where you saw him going with his life? Um, we'll, we'll talk about that when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. He's the real deal in real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. the present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. 
It's the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in Real Time. I'm Avi Bernard. I'm joined by Danny Griffin, educator, motivational speaker and entrepreneur, and Dr. Sean Fletcher of San Jose State University. And also joining us is Keon Kindred, who who does a lot in the community and who knew Quincy Reese very well. And so, uh, Keon, you, you mentioned that that Quincy didn't grow up in the same er- neighborhood that you did and that he, you know his parents took him out of there intentionally and this is just him going to uh, to an event, going to a party in the area, and right. I mean clearly, I mean the 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 response can't be well, we just can't go to this area. I mean, I, I, if that's the case, I can't come to this radio station, <laughs> you know, because wow. that's just we can't that can't be the solution. So, what is the solution? What do, what do you think? Um, what do you think uh, we we ought to? What, how do we prevent things like this from happening? I, it's it's a, it's a huge question, but. I mean, just uh, what? What's one small step we can take? I think you know to 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 better police our community. I mean, we need to implement security. Um, there's no way we should have any of these events, especially with kids. Just the way the world is today, like there should have been more adults there. There should have been a film church system to where the kids exit the party to make sure everyone gets to their rides. And mm. you know, I, I I I I get how this randomly can happen, but as the adults, as a, as a community, as a, as a whole, as a person, we have to be able to make sure that not only can the kids make it home, we can make it home safe. Like I, like I said, I live in the area. I grew up in the area, so you mean tell me I can't get gas at the at the Chevron that's next door to it? Right. You know, like I want to make it home safe, just as well as I want the kids and my other peers to make it home. So we just got to do a better job at policing ourselves, and 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 it starts in the homes and how to react to problems. You know, is. Ninety percent of how you react is dependent of what happened. So, so we're just quick to. You know, I'm listening. Yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I just want to ask you before we run out of time. Um, what what do you think? Uh, what do you, what did you see in in young in uh, little Q's future? You call him little Q. You knew him since he was born. Uh, what what do you think? Do you think he was getting all these offers to play college basketball? Is that what he wanted to do? Did he want to play uh, college basketball? I mean, let him let him let him tell it. He would have wanted to play whatever sport was going for a scholarship. And he just put himself in that position to, you know, to better have more options. Um, but he did love the game of basketball. It was something, you know, of course, he and uh, his father and I shared in common. So, um, you know, the sky was the limit. We don't know. We just know that he was headed in the in the right direction with the right mindset, working hard, staying locked in in the classroom, you know, to accomplish that goal, whether academically on a scholarship or on a basketball scholarship. He was going to go to college and be the first in his immediate family to go to college. And, and have that experience, which was, once again, uh, cut short. We're talking about 16-year-old Quincy Reese, who was murdered last weekend, Crenshaw High School student and athlete, standout young man. Dr. Fletcher, uh, I asked Keon, you know, what's one small step we can take to, to prevent this from happening? He said, policing ourselves, what's one thing that you say we can do to, to prevent things like this from happening? Uh, first off, there, I don't think there are any small steps uh, to do it. Because, again, these are symptoms of a much larger decade, possibly centuries-long system that's been put in place to get us where we are right now. But there are social programs, community programs, uh, as sort of Band-Aid options, if you will, in lieu of the larger systemic conversation, mentoring programs. Um, as Keon mentioned, those are, are, are proven to be effective in our communities. But I think, again, it, it starts with the family. It starts with the home. Again, when, when there 
is is unity and stability within the home. And that doesn't necessarily mean biological parents. I'm talking about stability in the system that these kids are coming up in. There is no shortage and no substitute for that. So I think there has to be social solutions put in place. Uh, Danny Griffin, uh, I'll let you get the last word. If you can uh, give me your thoughts, your, your final thoughts on this and uh, on on in on the, the outstanding young man that Quincy Reese was in, in 45 seconds. Well, he definitely had potential. Um, like I said, he he had integrity. He had morals. He had character. He had style. You know, he wasn't uh, a typical kid that you may see. Um, if we can learn anything from Quincy's legacy is do the right thing in inside the classroom and outside the classroom, okay? And, and moving forward, uh, we need to be accountable for our youth and the people around us and, uh, and try to police them better. And uh, when you see somebody doing something wrong, steer them in the right direction. Stop being these people, the young people's friends. If you're your dad, be the dad. If you're the brother, be the, bro- be the brother. You're being a friend, and, and they can't do what you do. Teach them how to move differently out here in, in these streets, in this society. And, and hopefully we can do better and, and, and get them in church and pray to God in church and at home. Well, uh, Keon, Kendrick, thank you so much for joining us. This is your first time on the show. As you said, you know, we, we would love to have you back under better circumstances. But uh, I want to offer my condolences to you and to Quincy's family. It's, uh, it's a horrible, horrible tragedy. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm so sorry to, that, that, that you and, and Big Q are having to go through this. And really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us today. No, thank you for having me, and I appreciate all you guys' support and, and, and talking about this subject and helping the community understand. You know, I was a great kid that we lost, and you know, we'll we'll, we'll day to day we'll move forward. So I appreciate you guys. We appreciate you, and please take care. Let us know if there's anything we can do to help. Is there any kind of GoFundMe or anything? Uh, to my knowledge, if there is something out, then I'll, I'll get that with uh, Danny and, and get it over to him, and he'll get it to you guys. Okay. All right. Appreciate you. And appreciate you, Danny. And appreciate you, Dr. Fletcher. Thank you for joining us. As always, we will talk to you soon. You guys be safe. Have a great weekend and happy Father's Day to, to you all. And I, uh, I will talk to you soon. When we come forward, the next voice you hear is, is going to be Robin Ayers with the Raw Report. Have a great weekend. I'm Avi Bernard, and I am gone. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.